If you have your Bibles, open them up to Acts chapter 2. And if you don't have an outline, please get one right outside those center doors. I'd appreciate that. And we're going to continue in our series, Unstoppable. And uh, this morning I want to tell you a, a little story. This guy goes to a pet store. You know what kind of story it is when someone starts it out there. A guy goes to a pet store, and he wants to buy a bird that talks. And the pet owner says, I got just the bird for you. And he sold him a bird along with the cage, a bird that talks. So he gets the bird home, and, and he puts him on the counter. He starts talking to the birds. Good morning. How you doing? And the bird doesn't say anything. And he gets kind of upset. So the guy goes back to the pet store owner, and, he, and the bird, he said, you sold me. It's supposed to be a talking bird, and he doesn't talk pet owner said, oh, okay. He says, the bird is probably not happy. And what he really needs is a bird bath. He says, so if you purchase this bird bath, then the bird's going to be happy and he'll sing. So the guy didn't like it, but he purchased the bird bath. He put it in, in the cage with water in it. The bird got down at the, at the bird bath, splashed around in the water, but he still didn't talk. Now this guy's really upset because he's invested a lot of money in this. And he goes back to the pet store owner and says, you know, I bought the bird bath. I put it in the cage but the bird is still not talking. And I want to know why, why he's not talking. The pet owner asked him, uh, what does he talk when he's on a swing? And the, and the owner, the guy goes, well, I don't have a swing. Well, that's your problem. What you need is a, a swing. You need to purchase a swing, and you're lucky because I have one on sale today, and you could buy this swing. You put him in there, when he swings on the swing, he'll begin to talk. So he buys this swing, and he takes it and puts it in the cage, and the bird goes down in the bird bath, and he does what? He splashes the water. He goes up on the swing, and he swings on the swing, and, but the bird still doesn't talk. So now the guy's really upset, and he's pretty angry, and he goes back, and he tells this, this, uh, uh, the owner there at the pet store, he says, I bought the bird bath, I bought the swing, but the bird is still not talking. The pet owner says, oh, what you probably need then is the bell. I should have told you, they probably need a bell. The guy wasn't happy about that, but he went ahead and bought the bell. He put it in the cage. So the bird went down at the bottom of the cage. He splashed around in the water. He, he went up and swam, swung on the swing, and then he also rang the bell. But he still didn't talk. Now this guy's really upset. And so now he, he, he's going to wait. He says, I'm going to sleep on it. He wakes up in the morning, goes to speak to the bird, and the bird is at the bottom of the cage dead. And he's really upset. So he goes back to this, this pet store owner and says, I'm, I'm really upset what happened here. I paid a lot of money for this bird. I bought your cage. I bought the bath. I bought the swing. I bought the bell. And the bird died. And the pet store owner said, that, that's, that's impossible. How could that happen? What kind of food have you been feeding the bird? And the guy goes, food? You never said anything about food. But nobody laughs. Come on. That's not a true story. But the reason I share that the reason I share that, because in the 21st century church today in America, we've got the bird bats. We've got the swings. We've got the bells. Matter of fact, we have the bells and the whistles. But is it possible we're missing something that was so prevalent in the first century church? And what we're missing is the key to it. What many churches are missing is the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit running our church. There's a whole lot we can do all by ourselves, right? There's a whole lot we can do. We can have events. We can do all kinds of different things, but it doesn't change people's lives. We need the Holy Spirit working in our lives, working in our church. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Acts chapter 2. Now, you guys didn't laugh at my story. Acts chapter 2. 
that's okay. Uh, we're going to look at the ingredients. This passage has the ingredients for the early church. We find this early church was really unstoppable. Basically, it was unstoppable because the people were committed working together as disciples of Jesus Christ and being on mission for him, making disciples. And if a church is going to be on mission, it has to do mission together. That's the key to do it together. And we notice in this passage, beginning in verse 42, we notice that this early church was untainted by greed was untainted by politics, was untainted by, power, uh, untainted by power struggles, was untainted by individuals. Their church was unstoppable is what we see. We find that church was, had a mission, and that mission was to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And in the process of doing that, in this passage this morning, we're going to find four things the early church did very well. If you ever outline, the first one is they shared a common commitment. They shared a common commitment. Let's read verse 42 says they've devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching into the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, into prayer. The word devoted means to hold fast, to persevere in something. What strikes me about this verse in this passage that we're going to read here today are the occasions where the word they or the form of they is used. We say, I, I kind of circled them or put a line under them. It, it wasn't just Peter. It wasn't just the apostles. But the Bible's letting us know all the people did this together. They came together to do this. Together in community, they came together and shared some things, the things that are listed in verse 42. And it gives it the first thing they were committed to were the apostles' teaching. That Jesus had passed down his teaching to the apostles where he said to them, he says, go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I've commanded you to, you to do. And so that basically was the apostles' teaching. That became what they, what they taught. So they taught that and discipled others and discipled others who discipled others. And the church was born, and they continued to teach what Jesus had taught them. And it passed on from one generation, from one country, from one continent, from one age, one epoch, to the 21st century church here we have in America today. There are some who teach what we call the apostolic succession. Have you ever heard that? apostolic succession, they trace their roots back to the apostles. They take the current present-day leader and they try to find the bloodline, what they consider the bloodline of one of the apostles, and they trace it all the way back to one of those apostles. And, and that's pretty hard to do, but it really isn't necessary. Because the Bible doesn't really talk about apostolic succession as much as it talks about the gospel message that was passed on from one generation to the next generation and not being changed. So 21 centuries later, the question we ask is not about the succession of people. The succession of this Bible is what we ask, and the teachings of Jesus. That the teachings of Jesus were so important that the apostles wrote them down and handed them down to us. And Paul writing to the Thessalonians and writing to Timothy and, and Titus, he challenges them. He says, guard the doctrine, teach the doctrine, embrace the doctrine, and pass it on. And that's what we're going to do here at Crossroads. We want to pass it on. We're going, to, we're going to drill down in the Word of God, and we're going to teach the Bible. But sometimes when we teach the Bible, it may be uncomfortable, right? Because God may convict us. You guys are all right with being uncomfortable with the Word of God, right? I mean, right? As you're awake, right? I mean, you, you didn't come here to hear my opinion. Hopefully you don't come here to hear my opinion, because my opinion is not better than anyone else's. I, I've shared that before. We came here to hear from God, and hear God through His Word. Amen? That's why we're here, right? 
And, and many times, you often hear me say in the church, and I say it every Sunday, I say, open up your Bible. And I say that, right? Open up your Bible. And I do that for a reason. And many of you will take your book you have in front of you, open up the Bible, and some of you will take that electronic device and, and uh, open that up. And, and that's fine, just as long as that electronic device that you have is to the Scripture and not to some text message or emails or a website. Let's devote this time to God and open up to Him. But that's all right. Whatever form you have, we open up to the Word of God, and right? That's what we want to do. See, I believe uh, it's so important that we have God's Word in front of us. And it's, it's visually in front of us. That's why you're seeing me have this in front of us many times. So let you see that this is what we study. As we open it, that's what we're going to do here at Crossroads. We're going to emphasize the Bible as we teach it, not only here in the, during the service, but during our children's ministries, during our student ministries, during our Bible classes and our small groups. That's who we want to be. That's what this church is all about, is teaching the Word of God. Not only were they committed to the apostles' teaching, secondly, they were committed to fellowship. Fellowship. Fellowship is just not coffee and donuts, even though those are good, right? Or anything like that. that may, it may involve that, but that's not all what it is. It's not just going in there and just fellowship. Fellowship is living life together. Fellowship is doing life together. That's what it is. It's really what it was. And, and you get the picture that the other church was really good at that. They are really good at doing life together. They gathered together. They were called out by God. And the word church, ecclesia, means to be called out. They were called out of the society to come in to grow together. To grow together, to go back to the society on mission. And they went back out in society on mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what they did. They were doing life together. That's what God had them do. Doing life together on mission. We noticed number three is what they did. They were breaking bread. They broke bread together. That could mean one or two things, or it could perhaps mean both. could mean that they shared a meal together. Do you like to do that with friends and especially Christian friends, where you go out and you, you share a meal. Maybe some of you are doing that after church today or maybe going to a restaurant. Then you go and you share a meal with them. You do that to break down the barriers, right? We do that because we like to be around them and because we love them and they like their company and get, we want to get to know each other, so we go out to a meal. But we do that together, and that's what they did. They did life together. It, it can also mean that they shared communion together the Lord's table. Together they celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ in terms of what it means of salvation. That they took the elements that represented the body and the blood of Jesus to remember that he died on the cross for them and he was buried and rose on the third day. But they did that together. I believe it means both. It's certainly when Paul was writing to the Corinthian believers in verse uh, chapter 11, he talked to them about that they had a, had a meal or a feast. And after they had that meal or that feast, they shared the Lord's table, but they did it together. That was the key. They did it together. That's why it's so important for us to meet together. Finally, they prayed. That was the fourth thing they agreed upon. Luke is probably referring to specific times of prayer here when he's writing this, because we find in the next chapter that a couple of the apostles are going to go to the temple, continuing practices, it seems, of Judaism, at least in regards to prayer, where they were going there to pray at the ninth hour. Uh, so that would be 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So it was a times of prayer what he's talking about. But I believe it's also, Luke was referring to spontaneous prayers, ignited by need, needs, ignited by prayer request. That someone comes up to you and say, uh, will you pray for me? I have some medical tests tomorrow. Will you pray for me? I, I, I lost my job. Will you pray for me? My children have went away from the Lord and they need prayer. It's an opportunity for us to pray together. And that's what they did. They prayed together. On Sunday mornings, 
we, our prayer partner uh, team meets, and we pray in the prayer room. And I've, I've shared this with you before. They, we meet at 9 a.m., and they pray over me. They pray over the church. They pray over the service. They pray over the ministries of their church, and they meet to pray, and that's what we do. When our small groups meet, we pray together because we, we realize that what needs to be done in the church and done in our own personal lives can't be done through bird baths, swings, and bells and whistles. It can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? As we get on our knees before God and pray and, and say, God, I can't do this myself, but I need your help, God. I need you to, your Spirit to work in us and through us so we can accomplish you want, what you want us to do. It only happens when a church is on their knees in prayer, when we're praying to God and asking for his help, and we need to do that. This early church, when we look at it right now at this stage, as we're in Acts 2, they had it all together. They was doing all these things, and this thing was really humming. The church was, and people were being added to the numbers. And I think in large part, one of the reasons this church was growing so rapidly, because it was the only church in town. <laughs> Let's face it, there wasn't another option. Uh, people couldn't get upset and say, you know, I'm going to go down the street because I didn't like the song that you played today. Or I thought it was too loud. Or I didn't like what they did there. They didn't have another option. They couldn't do that. See, if they had problems in the church, they worked them out. They talked about it, and they worked it out, and they came to a compromise. The church of the first century wasn't built in the context of what we have today, of consumerism. Well, people come to church now to what they can get out of it. That's all the reason they come. It's what I can get out of church. Church isn't what you can get out of it. Understand that it's what you put into it. It's what you give to it is what you get out of it. That's what church is. Same as small groups. People say, but I'm not getting anything out of the small group. My first question is, what are you putting into it? Are you coming prepared? Are you praying? What you put into small group is what you get out of it. What you put into church is what you get out of it. When you came in this morning as a service began, you have the opportunity to give. I'm not just talking financial. I'm talking to give ourselves. So we lift up our praise and adoration in God to worship him. And our prayers is that our worship would be honoring to God. And that our hearts would back up to those words that we sing in those songs and give praise and glory to God, right? That, and that's not words. But as I said last week, as we're singing the songs during worship, I'm not your audience. God's the audience. We're singing to him, and we're worshiping him. We're lifting up our voices to him. We're singing out to him. He's the one watching. He's the one that's hearing. He's the one that knows our motives. So we're singing to him. Also, we need to encourage each other. That's a wonderful prayer for you to pray as you come into church each morning, each Sunday morning. Lord, today, help me, be, help me to encourage one person. Just think if we all prayed that. Today, Lord, as I come into church, my goal is, is I'm going to have the opportunity to, to encourage one person, to lift them up, to build them up in some way. Just think how that would change people. If all of us have that goal as we're coming into church, Lord, I just, at least one person, maybe two, maybe three, but at least one person I'm going to encourage today. Just saying to the person next to you, hi, great to see you. Great to worship with you today. How are you doing? Just think how that would change us. Be friendly to everyone because we're all in this together, right? Well, in this together, would it be friendly accepting all people? The people were committed to give, not just to receive, but to give. And they were committed to the Word of God, as we are. We're committed to the Word of God. Because this Bible, this Bible has changed so many lives, right? And God uses it to comfort people and to guide people and direct people and lead people and, and also use it to convict people. 
And we as a church are committed to this book, just like the early church was committed to this book, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and doing life together, to breaking bread together. We're committed to praying together. We're committed to those things like the early church. We want to remain committed to those, not only as a church corporately, but as individuals be committed to those things. Every one of us, as we as part of the body of Christ that come to crossroads, we're in this circle. And if you're here this morning or you're listening, you're in this circle. But some of us are on the fringe of that circle. We're on the fringe of that circle for a number of reasons, but one of them, maybe we've not been coming that long. Or maybe another one is we, we've been here for a long time. And my challenge to you, an encouragement, is you would come into the middle of that circle and be more part of the body of Christ. We come along and we serve together. We pray together. We laugh and rejoice together, and we mourn and weep together. We give together. That's what it's all about. And maybe you're here, and you're in the perimeter on that fringe of that circle. You're there for a reason, because you've been hurt in another church. Who hasn't been hurt, right? There's a risk. I know that. I know that. But the reward is worth the risk for the blessing you can be in somebody else's life. If you've been hurt, don't give up. Don't give up. You know, I know about you, but I've been out to some restaurants that had bad service or bad food, but doesn't mean I give up going out to eat, do I? Just because the food, the food's not good at restaurants, I say, Dad said I'm done with going out. I still go out to eat. We don't give up on things. So whatever reason, if you've been coming here for a long time, you've kicked the tires, and you say, boy, I, you know, I kind of like this place. I think I can fit in this place. I'm asking you to take that next step and, and get involved and, and serve and come together and be part of the community. And don't be outside watching what's going on. But be part of the action. That's what God wants. All of us to be part of the action to make things happen inside of the church. Not only the church, but in our own lives. Be a part of what God is doing. The second thing the early church did very well, what I, what I really like, this one, is they experienced all. They were in all. It says, verse 43, everyone was filled with all, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. What Jesus had done, he shared with the apostles, he shared with them, you're going to do much more than I do. You're going to do greater things than I did. And at that time, keep in mind that they had all kinds of teachers, but all of them weren't good teachers. There were many false teachers at that time. And there was a time period where they didn't have the copies of the New Testament like we had. They didn't have that. So I believe that God gave those apostles special gifts to, to launch the early church. So to distinguish these men and what they were teaching from all the other false teachers— so they would look different from all the others, what they were saying and what they were doing and the, the signs and miracles that they were performing. So when they healed someone, someone would stand back and say, whoa, these guys are different from everyone else. Look what they can do. Look what's happening. And they would stand in awe of God, of what was happening with the apostles and what they were doing. They were standing in awe and they would listen to the message and they stood in awe. We don't stand in awe today of buildings and people and projects and programs. We stand in awe of God. That's who we stand in awe of. We stand in awe of who he is and what he's done. And that's what we're doing this morning. We stand in awe of him because we want him to work in our lives so much. We want him to work in our church so much. There's things that we can do without God. And I shared that with you last week. Well, why would we? Why would we waste our time? It's not going to change anybody if we do it ourselves. This is about God. This is about the Holy Spirit working through our church, working through us as individuals. 
And when I say church, I want to make sure you understand, when I say church, it's not about a building. It's not about a piece of property. The church is you. It's individuals, those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's us coming collectively together. That's what I'm talking about. It's about you and I as individual believers coming together. What God is doing not only in our church but in our individual lives. It's about Him. When a person comes and puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins, then you are baptized. What we usually do in our church is we usually uh, have them give a testimony. We record their testimony on a video. And we usually play that video before they get baptized as they're getting in the water, the video's played. And what I always love about that, we ask them to give the before they came to Christ and the after they came to Christ. So they have their life before. This is the way my life was before I came to Jesus. And now this is how my life has changed since they came to Jesus. That's the evidence and power of God, isn't it? Who can change a life from the inside out? Not a church, not a program, only God through Jesus Christ, amen? Only God can do that. I can't do that. This church can't do that. Only God through Christ. When we see God work in little ways, we see God work in big ways. When you see that, you say, boy, that's God, don't you? And, and sometimes I'll be up here and I'll be sharing, I'll share a, a, a story or maybe a thought comes to me or a verse and someone will come up to me maybe after the service or weeks later and say, boy, that really touched me. That's the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you're sitting there today and we're talking about the Word of God and we're looking at this passage and it starts to really ring out to you. I mean, it really starts to speak to you. That's the Holy Spirit of God. He moves in our lives to do things that normally, we normally would not do. And He moves in our lives to understand that it is God who is doing it. And sometimes we pray and we say, God, I lost my job. I really need a job. And all of a sudden, God provides a job out of nowhere. And we say, praise God. It was God. We're praying and, and about our health. Something's happened with our health and, and maybe we got a diagnosis wasn't good and we go back and the doctor said, hey, it's all cleared up, everything's fine. We know that's God and we say, praise God. See, when we see God working, we say, God, you are great, you are fantastic. And we say like that song this morning, God, you are good, you are good. He's always good, amen? And we say that. See, when a church is on mission, you stand in awe of God because they see God at work and lives are changed. And that's what we want to be. We want to be on mission. And we want to constantly be in awe of God because God is working around us. He's constantly working around us. But many times it goes unnoticed what God is doing. And we just assume, oh, that just happened by chance. Oh, that was just a coincidence. Oh, this. And we kind of put that on those. But we need to realize the hand of God is amongst us and he's working in us and through us. And be in awe of him, what he's doing in our individual lives and in our church. I want you to also notice the third thing the early church did very well. They thought communally and not individually. This is really important. Let's read verses 44 through 47. It says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This isn't socialism or communism. This is people voluntarily meeting other people's needs. This isn't a political or capital system. There, this is just people. Some of them had houses. Some of them had land and money. And some of them didn't have houses and land and money. And those who had recognized were all in this together. And they sold some of their stuff and gave it to the other people so they could eat. It's what they did. 
And that was an earmark of the early church is what we see. They were a generous church. They, were, they had this sense of generosity. And there are people today who are believers in Jesus Christ and realize that everything that we have belongs to God. And hopefully you're like that. You realize that everything that you have, everything, your job, everything you have belongs to God, that God provided for it. And when you think like that, you think differently because it's all God's. It's not mine. I didn't work and got this. God gave it to me. He allowed me to have this, and everything I have is from him. And the early church was a church of generosity. They understood this. They recognized that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and the world and all who live in it. So they gave, and they gave, and God gave them more, and they gave, and God gave more, and they continued to give is what they did. They didn't hold on to it, but they gave. We have to be like that. I have to share this with you that many times what happens in a church is people take vacations or they go away for the weekend, and that's fine. That's fine. I understand those kind of things. But, but sometimes people say, you know, I wasn't there at the church, so I didn't get anything out of the church, so I'm not going to give anything to the church financially, my tithe, because I wasn't there and I didn't get anything, so I'm not going to give anything. We all have to realize it's not what we get out on Sunday mornings during the service. I said that once before, but it's what we give. That's what we get out of it. It's what we give. And recognizing here at Crossroads, and I just want to make this little sidebar, at Crossroads, we went to great lengths of being good, good stewards of all that God has given us. I mean, to the last dollar we have. The elders have spent time on the budget with the finance team, went through it many, many times to make sure we're spending the money wisely and cutting out any and all wasteful spending. But we, this church still has expenses. They still have ministries to support is what we have. And so our serving, if you serve and you volunteer to serve, doesn't substitute your giving. Hopefully you realize that. That when you serve and you're volunteering to serve, say, because I serve, I don't have to give. It doesn't do that. It doesn't do that. Nor does your giving substitute your serving. Say, well, I, I give, therefore I don't have to serve. The early church did both. They gave their full tithes, and they also served. And God expects you and I that I've given you all of this that you have and expects you and I to give our full tithe. And when we give our full tithe, we are honoring God to all of our finances, all of our resources. And we're recognizing, God, you gave it to me, and you're going to continue giving it to me, and I trust that you will. So I'm going to give my full tithe right now and trust you for next week and the week after that. And that's what tithing is. And then we're also to give him our time serving him our time. God, you gave me this time that I'm allowed it, and I'm going to honor you with my time by serving you and volunteering you in church and these other ministries that God has for us. And God wants us to give our time above and beyond and give our treasures, our tithe and offering above and beyond when there's needs to give above. Not one or the other, but both. And that's what the early church did. And that's what we're supposed to do. May I encourage all of you to be faithful in your giving all year round, not just certain parts of the year, but all year round. The result is what they saw in the church. The church experienced community together. They were of the plan. They were able to meet people's needs, meet the ministry needs. They had everything that they needed. The fourth thing the early church did very well, they desired to see people come to know Christ. That was their heart desire. Notice the last part of verse 47. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Day by day is what we want to see. Uh, we want to see our small groups reach out to the neighborhoods and see people come to know Christ. We want to see our Sunday morning service see people come to know Christ. We want to send you out on mission and see people come to know Christ through you as you go out. 
people drawn to Jesus because they see your love for them and for Jesus, and they're drawn to him because of you. We, we want to see people come to know Christ, and all through the different uh, efforts, we're gathered together as a church to see that happening. As we break bread together, doing life together, as we worship and stand in awe, as we leave this place on mission, and, and, and every one of us on mission to declare Jesus. Sometimes it's with words, and sometimes it's just living out, right? But sooner or later, we got to share the words. We got to share about Christ, right? But every, 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 every day that we wake up, we say, God, I want to look for the opportunity to be on mission for you. Be ambassador for Jesus is what we're called to be. Like Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, as though Christ was making his appeal through you each and every day as you go out. You know that's what he's doing, that you're being sent out. And right now, I know many of you, you say, well, I don't go to the office. But you're on those phone calls, and God is watching. And, and how are you honoring God in those phone calls? Or whatever you're doing in your Zoom meetings. I'm not saying you're going to share Christ, but are you honoring him the way you act, the way you respond? The people we come in contact with at the stores, grocery stores, department stores, wherever you go restaurants you go? Are we honoring Christ? Are we being Christ ambassadors? Are we ready to give the opportunity to share with people wherever we go? Let's be on mission together. Let's take that next step. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior. Understand that God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. But because of our sin, it separates us from God. And the only way we can have that relationship is because Jesus Christ came down to this earth, went to the cross, and he died on the cross for our sins. And he paid the payment for all your sins. So now we can have direct access with God the Father through his son, Jesus. And all you have to do is say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And today I put my faith and trust, and I trust him as my Savior today. Please do that if you've never done that. If you have any questions, please come and see me. But let all of us Wherever you are in that circle, wherever you are might be on the fringe or closer, let's all take that next step toward the center. And let's be committed to be on mission for Jesus as a church and as individuals. That when we leave here, guys, it's not over. It's not, church, well, church is over. They'll come back next Sunday. No, this is where we come and celebrate that all that God has done in our lives throughout the week. This is to celebrate together, to rejoice together what God has done and get, get kind of uh, re, re, re Kind of God kind of energizes us as we come together to worship together. But we're going out there in the ministry field that God is using us and giving us opportunities to serve him and to reach people for Jesus Christ. Giving us opportunities to draw people to Jesus through our love for them and our love for Jesus. Always remember that. We're to show our love to people and show that our love for Jesus by loving others. And that will draw people to Christ. Let's be loving to all, okay? That's our, we're all on mission as a church, and as individuals. Amen? Let, let's pray. Lord, we come and we praise you and we thank you so much for the love that you have for us. That, Lord, we, we look at this, that you, you came and you died on the cross for our sins. And, Lord, we read through the gospel messages so many times that we just take for granted what Jesus said, but we realize that the apostles come back and what we have, the epistles, is many times they take Jesus' teaching and sometimes they go in greater detail of what it meant. And we read the, the, the epistles, and we're just amazed at Jesus, what you were teaching. And we're amazed, Lord, when this church, when the uh, apostles were starting this church and the Holy Spirit was working through them, they weren't just doing it by winging it. They had the master's plan. They watched you. They learned from you exactly how to live life, how to do things. And, Lord, they watched how you, you were generous in everything. 
And Lord, help us to be generous. Help us to be united together as we serve together. Help us to always be on mission and looking uh, for each other, to encourage one another, to build each other up. Help us to be praying for one another. Help us, Lord, to give, Lord, you everything as we come in to worship you, our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But Lord, also help us to be willing to serve, to give our full tithe. Help us, Lord, to honor you in everything. Help us, Lord, when, the, when we sing the words, that are just not words, but there are, there are hearts that are speaking through those words. That's our heart's desire, that we love you, we have a passion for you, and we want to live for you, Jesus. Help us to be those kind of people like the early church, Lord, that had a passion for you, zeal for you. We wanted to see people come to know Jesus Christ at all costs. wanted to love them and do whatever they had to do to reach others for Jesus Christ. Give us that passion. Help us to see people like you, like you see them. Empower us by your spirit, Lord. Be bold for Jesus Christ. Empower us, Lord, to be generous and realize that all that we have is yours. And you've graciously given it to us, and as we graciously give it out, that you will continue to provide for us, that we don't have to worry, that you know our needs and you will provide. Let us not be people who hold on, but let us be generous in all that we have. Lord, we praise you and thank you so much for the example that you've given to the early church and what they've handed down to us. Lord, I pray one last thing, that we would always be faithful to the apostles' teachings and the teachings of the Word of God. That we would lift this up and honor it. When many people are turning away from this and looking for opinions and, and uh, what others think, let us be true to Let us be a church who follows you and committed to the Word of God in everything that we do. And we will not compromise it. Let us stay purity to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Help us to hold true to those things as a church and as individuals and praise you. We're asking for so much. But through your power, your Holy Spirit, Lord, we know that all those things that your heart desired because of the word of God, help us to be those type of people. Help us to be that type of church that brings you glory and honor and praise in all that we do. We love you and worship you and praise you. And Lord, we ask all these things in that wonderful, amazing name, the name of Jesus.